It's Valentine's Day as we record this, so welcome to a sexy brand new episode of Destroy All Clickbait. Lie down on the love couch and let the healing sounds of misleading headlines and factoids spun into six paragraph articles move through you and deliver those monetized clicks deep down into your algorithm. This is Big Daddy out of here, and with me is Amorous Ing and Phil the Love Guru. And together we're going to give you one and a half hours of poorly edited pleasure. Thanks, I hate it. I'm Mike Myers now. Okay, you can be the Love Witch if you prefer. <laughs> Let's I call you know. that. Phil the Love Witch, which I still haven't seen that movie, by the way. Anyway, that makes him sound like an oddly gimmicked professional wrestler. Phil the Love Witch Johansson. I don't. I don't understand professional wrestling. I don't either. (laughs) But if there actually was someone who called themselves the Love, see, from what I can understand, there used to be people with weird gimmicks and stuff, and they don't really seem to do that anymore. But I am assured that they apparently do. Okay. All right. They're not the ones that are all over my Twitter feed every every Sunday or whenever they do these. Uh, yeah, whatever. those ones, they don't seem to have gimmicks, but they, they seem to have personalities, like a, a persona, mm-hmm. that is. Yeah, right. No, I get that that's part of it, and you do this, you, you make a fake storyline or whatever, but yeah. <laughs> it's just, it's the ones who are like, the last one I, I heard of who had a gimmick was The Undertaker, who was a oh, right, right. guy who was a undead creature or something i don't know <laughs> or he was just really goth or i, I don't know what the, the idea there was but no he well, was an actual undertaker okay well i no, i, I think know. it's like clark's law that any sufficiently advanced goth is indistinguishable from genuine undead but yeah anyway so this week we had some uh some pretty crazy stuff uh much of it political in nature (laughs) hopefully we'll find the humor in some of this stuff um which uh what 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 should we talk about first of this uh batch of things (laughs) uh max landis max landis ah yes the max landis can we even say his name at this point yeah without him yeah he'll burst into our podcast somehow yeah (laughs) he'll he somehow managed to hack the podcast his dad gave him the software to hack into podcasts when his name is mentioned yeah. So, uh, yeah. Uh, this this fucking guy. Yeah, that that fucking guy, Max Landis, who has just always been the most. I mean, it's funny how nobody liked Max Landis even before he was revealed to be a horrible sex pest. Like he just he was he was clearly there was something wrong with this guy. Even before, like, even if there no allegations had ever come out about him, we'd still be like this fucking guy, basically. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, he's just obnoxious, just unpleasant. I have to go back and see what Twitter I'm stealing this joke for, but John Landis was the ultimate helicopter parent. <laughs> yes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> What's that's the that's the thing. He's a he. Landis is a, like, he's not only a Hollywood spoiled brat, but it's not like, oh, you know, he had a beloved actor and director for a dad, and then, you know, 
that produced a spoiled brat. It's no, <laughs> his dad is also an asshole who everyone hated a generation ago, basically. So it's two generations of Hollywood asshole. His father, once beloved, now disgraced Hollywood director John Landis. Yes, that's right. We should be clear on that. Uh, John Landis, who has still directed some great movies, uh, let's be clear, but he... His career he, uh, was as... harmed by the controversy of him killing three people with a helicopter. Yeah, that was... Uh... Kids, right? Yes. Yep. Yeah, he, he... During the shooting of the Twilight Zone, the movie, um, there were... Uh, an ac- There was, uh, you know, an accident, uh, which happened because apparently there was a lot of lax safety protocols happening uh, around that whole shoot. And um, and the children, land- the child actors were also there beyond what they were allowed to by labor laws. Oh, uh, jeez. Like, like over time, you mean? Yep. Like they were there, yeah. yeah it's, Which is it why was... there was such lack such lax things to keep people like the fire marshal away right yeah yeah and that was and that was the thing is that that movie had uh three different uh or four different directors doing different segments um which meant that a lot of hollywood bigwigs were there um and landis literally i mean he was put on trial right he literally had a had a uh a trial for negligent homicide if i'm not mistaken right I don't recall. There might have been a civil case. Maybe that's what it was. Maybe it was a civil case. Like, he got off, obviously. And, uh, like, because the story I heard was that afterwards he literally had a screening of his next movie for the jury that acquitted him of something, basically. (laughs) Like, it was... That's, like... You don't know even know... (laughs) Yeah, between that and showing up to the funeral drunk... Right. To plug the yeah. movie. Yeah, it's just not a good guy, unfortunately. Yeah, there's I a like to th- reason why Steven Spielberg apparently ordered that he be blacklisted. Oh, really? Yeah, okay. Like, Spielberg would... refused to work with him again, and according to rumors, put a lot of pressure on other people to do the same. Huh, that's interesting. Well, not enough pressure to. Well, if only it. Uh, yeah, if only that uh, <laughs> blacklist had continued down the family line. Yeah, had kept his uh, his son out of Hollywood because apparently. Uh, you yeah, know. I, I I read a, a story that um, somebody was in a restaurant with him, or like in the same restaurant as him, and he was loudly um, like it was a fancy restaurant, and he was loudly uh, explaining uh, how he would have fixed the Force Awakens. Yeah. And he apparently he, got up on the table and started doing miming the lightsaber fight. Really? Yeah. He, he, well, he, yeah. He, he, yeah. He seems to just burst in and rewrite everyone else's movies, like without being asked at all. Like he he did a Ghostbusters script, which I guess makes a certain amount of sense. He was in those circles. But the, what what else did he do? It was a Ghostbusters script. He was talking about how he was going to write Black Panther for a while, and nobody had even. Oh God. <laughs> he nobody had asked him at all. He just started. It might have been the comic actually, rather than the movie. But he did, and he was like this. Imagine a city, and everyone's black. Like that was his brilliant. <laughs> Like he was, it wasn't that stupid, but it was kind of like superficially well-meaning, but just cringeworthy attitude towards the whole thing. Like you know, and he apparently doesn't know what a saxophone is. 
Yes. Oh, that's right. <laughs> I believe you mean the, the synth um, bagpipes. Did a... Yeah, synth bagpipes. Uh, this was from his um, um, treatise, I guess, on Carly Rae Jepsen's album. That he it was like a million words, and uh, I don't know. I mean, yeah, he called what apparently are clearly saxophone uh, music as uh, synth bagpipes. And he was trying to pass himself off as a music critic at this point. It's, you know, and he, and he like doubled down on it too. Like I could, I, I, I don't know how you don't know what a saxophone is like, but okay, maybe it's like lost in the mix and you're not hundred percent clear, but he just kept going with like, no, it's some kind of synthetic thing. It's like, no, it's a saxophone, Max. It's clearly a saxophone. Everyone the has synth ever heard this. Pipes. <laughs> the synth bagpipes. The synth bagpipes. And it's, it's that pitchfork style of writing too, where he's trying to be like, like find all these Hunter S. Thompson verbal curly cues for things, but he just ends up not knowing what they are and having to describe them. It's like that Conan O'Brien sketch where he's like, you know, where a, a sports figure he didn't know gets unexpectedly called into the studio and he has to bluff his way through sports. And it, the guy gives him a hockey puck. He's like, what is this? Am I supposed to eat it? Am I supposed to smoke it? He, he was also big on... Um... The thing of calling Ray a Mary Sue. Right. Oh, yeah. Oh, that's that, right. That he came was... out before I even saw Force Awakens, which was like opening weekend. So Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he was He was kind of... Well, uh, that's funny that he was on the band, the, the last Jedi-hating bandwagon before the last... When it was still the Force Awakens, I guess, basically. Yep. And that... It's funny because there was... We've, we've forgotten it in all the last Jedi hatred, but there were people ragging on the Force Awakens a little bit for having a female protagonist. But nowhere near as much and as... And a black guy. Uh, yeah. I I mean, that too, but I... The one I heard... And, like, it wasn't anywhere near as bad Oh, I, I remember there was some... some uh, When the trailer came out, chatter about a black stormtrooper? Oh, what? Yeah. Oh, there there was, certainly. Um, but I, if, I feel like that's nowhere near the level that we've heard from no, Last no. Jedi. <laughs> but you're right, yes. There was the usual... Yeah, and, th and that was literally, like... That was, like full-on white... Not that The Last Jedi people are in uncomfortable places as well, but that was full-on yeah. white supremacy. Well, I mean, the Rose Tico thing, yeah, like, yeah. Uh, um, Ethan Van Skyver, Shiver, whatever, yeah. uh, cutting off the heads of uh, Rose Tico yeah. dolls. That guy has a problem. <laughs> Which I, I can only imagine, yeah. <clears throat> regardless what was the actual background to the YouTube video, in my mind, it's the music from the opening <laughs> credits to Seven. Because I feel you could fairly seamlessly edit in clips of just a, a grown man decapitating dolls one after the other into the montage of all of John Doe's yeah. batshit crazy art projects prepared for his murder spree. And filing and his it, finger And it off. would fit in. Well, yeah, so back to Max Landis, anyway. So, basically, it's been announced that he is writing a... Uh, the, the article uh, that we have here is... Um, by uh, Amy Zimmerman, I believe is the writer's name. Um, and it's for uh, thedailybeast.com. And it's uh, he's back and he says he's writing a feminist action movie. Um, and it's explicit. It did, now, does he explicitly link it to Me Too? Or does the author of the article link it to Me Too? It says, warning, 
warnings that in the area of me too landish oh yeah sorry never mind yeah no it's it's the 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 article writer is basically you know we're saying clickbait but this is more oh. just like landis is the clickbait it's personified the human clickbait. <laughs> yeah the article is mm -hmm. actually fine because it's pointing out you know what a shithead he is uh and and um and just pointing out that he's trying to make his comeback and it's this thing that we've now seen we we talked about in other shows with Louis C.K., with a few other people, where it's they think that penance is going away for like a year, and, and to then... to clarify for people who don't know, uh, Max Landis was one of the people that had, I think, some numerous accusations made for, to him in right. wake of the Me Too movement. Right, but he also he also did an interview with somebody even before that uh, where he bragged about. Um, uh, sort of getting uh, his girlfriend anorexic or something like there were a lot of better weight and, in general yeah. with this guy he kind of i mean that that's more than just a red flag yeah. that's like that's something he openly admitted to in an interview there are just, people yeah. who have also commented that he's used racial slurs against them so right yeah and, yeah and, and he's and uh he named searches on twitter so right well not yeah. anymore he used to do that he's now oh, okay. go gone away from social media as part of his quote penance unquote uh he's vanished from social media because he's hoping everyone will forget after a year uh but um no he he definitely and and literally i just saw someone sort of re-upping re there or not re-upping but coming forward who hadn't come forward before and said yes i had you know uh, I was harassed. I was sexually assaulted by Max Landis, um, <clears throat> and it was um, like, it, like it, there's clearly a lot of people out there. You know, at, at first, it was a little vague and alleg allegations, and someone talking about, you know, my friend who I can't mention was sexually assaulted by Max Landis, but I'm not, you know, I. But it, they were actually really going right up to just talking about it on Twitter, and that's when Me Too exploded and he vanished. Uh, so now he's clearly going, and, and I mean, the ironic thing is we're saying he went away, but he kept working as far as I can tell. I don't think he actually ever like was kicked. Oh, he was kicked off bright sequels, I guess. Oh, uh, darn. <laughs> oh, big loss. Although he did build that when he was, uh, when he was planning it as his, his Star, Star Wars. Wars. Yeah, I know it was going to be his, uh, <laughs> that's, that's actually, you know, you, you know, couldn't happen to a nicer guy, but that it's funny because that was going to be his baby bright. And, uh, you know, it, 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 it landed with a thud and they did cancel the Dirk Gently show, although that pro may or may not have anything to do with him personally. Um, but yeah, he, yeah, I've heard that's, I've heard that's watchable, but I'm not going to watch anything this guy no, does. I, mean, I, I knew about his personality before yeah. I, I had was aware of any of his projects. The show, so. But here's the thing. It's also not a Dirk Gently show. No, it's not. No, correct. If it's. If yeah, anything, like it is that. the uh, pharmacy knockoff Doctor Who. Right. Yeah. <laughs> it's it's the the thing about Landis is like he's not a terrible writer. He's sort he's basically okay, but he's also he's not contributing anything at the end of the day that I don't feel like a lot of people would have been able to contribute for most of his stuff. Given most of the pro, that's what bright drives me crazy because it is a hundred percent my jam. I would have I can't say I didn't get some enjoyment out of it because I just love that urban fantasy oh, thing. God. I, I mean I do too and it was still one of the worst things I ever saw. Like <laughs> oh. it is one of the worst examples of it. Yeah, I've it, ever it's, seen. The made for TV Vampire the Sorry. Masquerade movie was better. <laughs> <laughs> 
Yeah, it's it, you so know, and Blade well, the, the series was better. <laughs> I don't know. I can believe Blade the series was good. I don't know. I, I but yeah, it's that that whole like literally just transplanting Tolkien into the modern day. But given that premise, like you or but you I have could, to think about it. You or I could probably write like if you were if you're a competent screenwriter, you or I could have written that that screenplay to the level that Max Landis wrote it. And he throws in this very uncomfortable, it's supposed to be a class allegory, but it gets uncomfortably racial uh, with the idea that the orcs are the it's sort of... It's very racial, yeah. from what yeah. I can see. It, it's supposed to be the elves of the upper class, and the humans are in the middle, and the orcs are the lower class. But it then comes off as, like, orcs are minorities, basically, um, the, way they, the way they frame They're it. They're coded like, black. Yeah, exactly. That's really not necessary at all, especially when you... And it's supposed to be about no tolerance for the orcs, you know. It's like, but you know, you're you're literally coding them as the evil race who, and it's sided with the dark lord. Yeah, they're explicitly said. Yeah, they sided with essentially Sauron uh, a few thousand years ago. So everyone hates them now, and they're they're still except that doesn't even work because the like orc version of Jesus, like their uh, historo mythal figure, is revered because he led orcs. Uh, away from the Dark Lord, so it doesn't even make sense. Uh, yeah, I don't know. It's 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 a it's it, the it's world the kind of thing building. Also, it has so dismal mm-hmm. and seemingly mm-hmm. contradictory. It's right. one of those things like with good world building, each detail seems to flesh it out and have an implication. That's part of why the original Star Wars was seen as very good for that. It was a universe that felt lived in. Each thing that mm-hmm. we saw that saw of that universe implied that there was more going on and that this is the way the setting worked without having to stop to explain to it. And it did it with, it did it very visually rather than expositionally. It's just, okay, we go into the Mos Eisley Cantina and this is the establishment that this is a uh, pan planetary pan species society where there is all sorts of aliens into intermingling from all walks of life from like things that look like the literal devil to giant bugs to greys playing and i quote (laughs) jizz music that's not good old jizz music (laughs) well wasn't and there was wasn't one of them named like joe cumston or something the guy who was playing he ended up it ended up having extra layers with the famous jizz music but actually but yeah on the other hand bright is set in los angeles Uh, which is a religious, you know, uh, but, uh, the name comes from... They make well, mentions and, and, to stuff but like... The, the war was 2,000 years ago, so was Jesus involved that, yeah. in this? Yeah, weird things. They keep talking specifically about, oh, this all happened 2,000 years ago. It's great. Okay, so, yeah, was Jesus fighting Sauron in this world? Is that specifically what happened? Like, it raised, it specifically begs the question of where was Jesus when all this was And me so happened. much because you easily could have just said 1,000 years ago. Fine, that puts it straight in, like, the Middle Ages, which... Right, exactly. Okay, there is, like, a whole historical thing, and honestly... Yeah. A, a, well, a literal dark wizard waging the First World War would have had huge impact, but it's not sure. as well known as literal year one, 30 right. AD, when G- with Jesus Christ and the Roman Empire at its peak. <laughs> you can fudge the history more easily at the Middle Ages than give the idea that, well, was so was Jesus Gandalf? Yeah. What's going right, on exactly. here? Yeah, yeah. 
Uh, yeah, there's a few urban fantasy things that I like. I'm a big fan of um, uh, Donaldson Strange and Mr. Norrell, which specifically uh, ties sort of the history of magic into real history in a way that's extremely plausible if you've read the book. Uh, it's done as like, well, it's a field of study is people who study magicians and their history and how, you know, magic ebbed and flowed over the years. Uh, there's also, uh, there's a comic by uh, Kurt Busiek uh, called uh, Aerosmith. I don't know if you've seen it. Not Not the band. Uh, Aerosmith, hmm. uh, but the idea is just that they discovered magic. Actually, I think magic existed in an album store. This. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Well, it was it made them all crazy. Uh, but they uh, no. It, it, anyway, they had magic in World War One, and they had the ability to fly. And instead of like the 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 metaphor is you know people who the the first wave of uh, war pilots in World War One, it's wizards who could fly with dragons basically uh and it's had the same level of just ramshackle but also you know reverence people had anyway it was all very well thought through you know bright didn't think through any of it it just said this is something that's been done in other media now we're going to get a movie of it here's the very base and honestly david ayer the director is partly to blame for that too uh he he's not the guy to handle uh fantasy type stories at all he's not good at it, it uh that that's been a, a thing but yeah, I've compared Bright to the Cavemen sitcom, the Geico oh, Cavemen, yeah, which I've seen one episode of, and it's it also uses um, cavemen as a racial allegory. Yeah, what a bad but, decision! And it, but it doesn't make any sense. Like apparently there was a caveman president in the forties, and yeah, it just God. it's confusing. It it's, also that... really bugs me because the like <clears throat> the setup with like okay, the orcs and the species that we consider evil and monsters were the ones that sided with the Dark Lord and Dark Empire. That's literally a thing that's used in the backstory for Discworld. Right. It's also but, you know, Discworld also is a high fantasy thing, though its technology is somewhere in between Renaissance and Victorian and modern day. Right. But it is just used by the general that, okay, this Dark Lord and the Evil Empire was a rough equivalent to a combination of uh, Nazi Germany and the Soviet Union. Right. He just does it to be whatever he wants it to be. At, if for that particular book, he, he draws the parallel right, to and whatever. Because it, there's never been too much detail in the specifics there, it fits just as, oh, this is an historical thing everybody knows about. And was a huge impact on the world. Right, yeah. I, I mean, that is the kind of thing that's actually fairly easy to do, so it's actually almost impressive that Bright doesn't do yeah, it. Yeah, that like... fucked it up so much. <laughs> they, they the other, baffling, it, uh, the other a... baffling thing is that they mention Shrek as a movie existing. Right! I was about to mention that, yeah. Uh that was apparently an ad lib by Will Smith, but they still yeah. Kept it you in. don't have to keep it in, and because it doesn't make sense, so it was like, okay, is in this universe is Shrek like their version of uh, Tintin in the Congo? Is it seen as like yeah. an incredibly racist movie that's still for some reason beloved? That was just made a few years. Yeah, ago. was yeah. it made a few years ago, or was it right. made like in the forties? And it's like Song of the South. Where it's yeah, a movie it's, that a lot of people like, but it's kept in the vaults for its right, uncomfortable right. racism. Well, it's almost it would have been in that world, it would have been like a condescend like an a condescendingly anti racist movie <laughs> in that world. Yeah, like, like I no, said, like are people of the South. Too. Yeah. <laughs> 
Right. Well, Song of the South is kind of an apologia for slavery, so that's kind of a whole other thing. But, I mean... Uh, yeah. As is my understanding. I actually haven't seen it, but I, I it, know enough about it. It doesn't go into apologists for slavery. It's attempting to be anti-racist, but it portrays an idyllic, romanticized version of Antebellum South. Right. Exactly. Well, that's what I mean. Of I post- just mean there slavery there yeah because i don't i spoiler alert will smith is black but since the orcs are the oppressed minority were black people it it brought over enslaved and (laughs) well no no no, there was as slaves in the confederate thing or were orcs instead because hispanic people are still discriminated against in the world of the movie so yeah Racism still exists between human races. Yeah. So. No, it's just another axis of oppression, I guess, in this world. You know, the, the, the I don't know. I, but again, you can't think about it. It's for not well minutes. thought out. You can't out. think about it for five minutes or it doesn't really work. Unlike, say, Abraham Lincoln Vampire Hunter, where uh, the South was uh, a conspiracy of vampires to, uh, to keep uh, food, basically, which is not the... Uh, that's a little problematic as well, but at least it's like, yeah, the South was literally the work of evil vampires. I know? mean, like... here's the thing. <laughs> that kind that doesn't technically change any of the history to it. It just Right. It's more yeah. of yes ending there. Right. So it <laughs> well, that... kind that's still it's an extra element you can seamlessly place over the the real history. Right, and that's why so many of these urban fantasies are like, oh, there's a secret world that most people don't know right. about. Because that way you can keep history as it is, but just say, oh yeah, there was secret stuff going on the whole time, and some people know that about it. That comes with its own problems. That comes with its own problems, like uh, Harry Potter going out of its way to, you well, know, yeah. why don't the wizards stop World War II, or, you know, whatever. <laughs> and how do the, yeah, well, that, well, Harry, see, Harry Potter, see, and you that's don't have to a, think about it, now. like, it doesn't necessarily pop into your mind as a thing that you can't rationalize, except they went out of their way <laughs> to drag that into the conversation with Harry Potter, as we've discussed in previous episodes. Yeah, but, for like, example, uh, the setting for Vampire the Masquerade, the titular mm-hmm. masquerade is the part there that the supernatural elements of this role-playing setting enforce a cone of secrecy around their society, mainly because they deeply fear a justifiable at some level that if humans did have definitive proof of supernatural predators and that, they would make an organized and efficient effort to exterminate them. Right. So, so that... vampires and werewolves and everything yeah, use... all kind yeah. of have an agreement to keep things as secretive or plausibly deniable on the right. existence of the supernatural as possible. And if you break the rules, the vampire or werewolf governments track you down and kill you. Yeah. And I, and I don't know the masquerade. I don't know RPGs that well. Uh, of course, people have always said Blade is kind of like Vampire the Masquerade the movie in yeah. some ways. Um that makes it very explicitly, well, not uh, not explicitly, but brings forward the subtext of uh, the fact that it's a, you know, it, it's kind of a class warfare thing. <laughs> like the vampires are the secret masters of the world, and they keep it secret because they know that humans are weaker, but if they all knew about them, they could all team up and take down the vampires. Yeah. And, and, I, and that's kind of made a little more 
especially the first Blade movie, they really bring that to the fore. Um, so I like that. I've always got the impression Vampire the Masquerade doesn't do that as much. It, but it is a... No, no, no. There's, there is a whole faction uh, because you have um, basically the main vampire government, but there is effectively an anarchist vampire faction that specifically believes that the... Ma- uh, the, the masquerade, or of the thing that the vampires imposing a government on other vampires is something to be rebelled against. Well, the vampire masquerade sounds like it can get into all this really complicated. Yeah, it's <laughs> it's a game built for political, politicking and goth yeah. politics. Well, let's move on to uh, something even more fearsome than vampires, which are cyborg warriors. I kind of think that it's somewhat appropriate, given how much Max Landis likes attention, that our effort to talk specifically about him, we would have rather, we literally rather talk about (laughs) anything else. Well, that's the horrible truth about Max Landis, is he's not an interesting guy, except that he is... Except when he's being a fuckboy and misbehaving. Yeah. Yeah. He wants everyone to pay attention to him, but there's nothing to pay attention to. He is he is American Psycho, basically. Um, except he, American Psycho, just wanted to kill people. <laughs> he wanted he wanted to be left alone to kill people. Um, so yes, yeah, Cyborg Warriors, uh, the thing everyone is worried about happening: uh, merging minds and machines. Uh, this is oh, uh, this is um, from uh, the Scientific American. Yeah. Wow. Um, the blog anyway, and it's by uh, John Horgan. Thank you. Yeah, and uh, so, and they they reference now. There's been actually it's actually been a few. It's been a decade or more, a couple decades. Uh, the the kind of research this is reporting on has existed. Um, the idea, like I remember reading way back when the uh, the fact that they put chips in in like a mouse's brain and made it crudely been able to do certain things if i'm not mistaken uh and they well in the, the crudest I- sense that hey we put up a way that we could electroshock a mouse through its brain so when it doesn't do what we want it to we could cause it we could inflict pain on it right i guess in retrospect that's probably what it was um <laughs> i mean that um, was the earliest ones there actually is a more sophisticated way that they can directly control a cockroach i believe Oh, a cock! Yes, that's that's right. It was a cockroach, not a mouse. Um, which are, of course, very simple uh, creatures. And they, you'd they be surprised. That, uh, yeah, fair enough. Not to not to impugn the cockroach, the noble cockroach, the one that will be here long after we're gone, as we all know. Uh, but yes, I know they've they've they they uh, they they can be they're more complicated. But then there's also um, they, the the article does talk about um, things like. Uh, research that's been done into helping like paralyzed people or disabled people uh possibly putting a chip that would allow them to uh like control a robotic limb basically yes uh, it, that, that could replace the now the they have successfully done that with uh monkey subjects where they have basically hooked up a separate mechanical limb to a monkey's brain and to their great delight the monkey's brain the monkey was not only able to consciously move it, but the monkey's brain fairly quickly adapted it into its internal schema. Basically oh. into its sense of self. So that okay. it not so not that the monkey couldn't just move it by concentrating and specifically moving that arm, but it could move the arm as if it were a natural extension of its body. 
Now, was this like a third arm, or was yes, it like it was a... a third additional arm. Oh, okay, so that's interesting. Right. It wasn't like a replacement for an existing arm. No, huh. which is one thing they were excited about because they were curious of how readily will the brain mm. accept controlling basically this non-organic new arm there. Will it be something right. that will always have to be conscious effort, or will the natural plasticity of the brain basically assimilate this into the brain's own internal sense of what the body is, and it looks like it's the latter. So that was a big, basically a breakthrough that, oh, stuff like uh, bionics and mechanical replacement and more advanced prosthesis looks like it's a lot more plausible than we thought it could be. Yeah, it's like you don't have... It's one thing to replace an arm you don't have. It's another thing to say... Uh, an arm that's been that's gone missing is another thing to like start mentally controlling a, a whole other limb that your yeah. brain when theoretically this, doesn't. No, when have, this came you know. out, like the popular science clickbait stories, there I remember one used a picture of Doctor Octopus from the Raimi Spider-Man movie, <laughs> but it was a good illust. But I, that kind of worked because that is a good pop culture illustration of what they found out happens. Hmm. That if you do hmm. link someone to that. Or they think, at least in the case of the monkey subjects, that linking them up to their brain to uh, directly controlling this limb, hmm. it did uh, accommodate that. Now, but this is, we're still talking about a monkey, though, not a yes. human being, correct? Yeah, so. Yeah, naturally, mean... we wanted to do this with monkeys before we started implanting <laughs> electrodes into people's well, brains directly. We real, you know, it, it, it's a little funny when we start talking about open brain surgery and modifying mm -hmm. the human brain, we kind of really want to make sure it'll work. This whole brain chip thing, uh, soldiers with brain chips, reminds me of Sirens of Titan, the Kurt uh, Vonnegut book. The Kurt Vonnegut? Where all the, the Martians are made of, the Martians are made up of uh, soldiers who have been taken oh, from right. Earth and have a chip implanted in their brain. Right. Yeah. And they get shocked if they don't follow orders. Yeah. Well, I mean, as Ing points out, that's not even a very sophisticated technology. You can, you can do no, that now. No, that's a real easy to. one to do. Yeah, yeah, you could do that now. <laughs> yeah. Behavior modification just by, yeah, exactly. The Connecting that with soldiering, it's sort of... I don't yeah, know. it's... it's it, No, it's true. And I mean... Well, I mean, they're, they're describing it in the framework of, oh, for disabled veterans who need, you know, an arm replacement, there are things we could do with that. Uh, and literally, that is the technology that they can talk about uh that they taught put in the article um but you know it is they do talk about the potential of just having someone in classic you know anime fashion <laughs> climb into something and you know controlling you know remote controlling a tank with their mind or whatever or you know logging into this uh you know soft this uh kind of military hardware that requires an extra you know portion of the brain to control and so forth um I I uh, I'm thinking of all things. I'm thinking of the the TV show Dollhouse, uh, which I always kind of liked. Actually, uh, it had problems, but it had one of the they they started to really get into the idea of what you can do with um, you know brain chips, basically, and identity swapping, but also just the control of you know the human brain. And they did have an episode where they were training soldiers to basically work in perfect union because they had uh you know shared brain chips <laughs> that put them in a that put them in in perfect formation and all that kind of stuff so i mean that yes is, they are borg 
Yeah, they, it, well, yes, and then, of course, there's the Borg, as we all know. Uh, the Borg are interesting to me in Star Trek because when they when they were introduced, they were they kind of added ideas to them each time. Uh, the, the original idea of the Borg was less, uh, we're going to assimilate you and turn you into one of us, and more, uh, we only care about technology, we don't care about people or, or, or organic life at all, we just want to... Uh, like, and, and it was literally, we'll send a soldier over to look at your schematics and, oh, you'll kill them? Well, we'll just send another one. We don't care. Humans are replaceable. Like, our, our people are replaceable uh, organs that we can swap out whenever we feel like. And they literally start carving up the Enterprise and pulling out a chunk and everyone on board dies and they don't care because they just want to have a look at this chunk of technology, basically. So that was the original idea was that they were... Uh, the sort of Ray Kurzweil type, uh, the transhumanist thing. Of, yeah. Uh, the what, uh, singularity, that's what it's called. So it was that idea of, oh yeah, they've completely uploaded the computer to the point where they don't care about their meat bodies anymore at all. Um, and the whole, oh well, yeah, we're a, an assimilated uh, group mind. That actually came later, if you look at the show. They didn't really get into that until a bit later. And turning Picard Well, the Borg, Borg were always a group mind. The fact that they would upload other people to it was the new idea. That's true. Yes, that's right. That was that was the thing that came in the in the next episode with Picard. And then it was like treated as a huge deal and then by, you know, a few episodes later it was just yeah, we're just assimilating left and right. So they had to kind of retcon a reason why it was special for Picard <laughs> to have been <laughs> assimilated and why that was a big deal. It was cuz she wanted the the queen wanted a another a soulmate basically. Oh yeah, the queen. I, I no, don't like the, the queen. It. Yeah. Or the idea of it. Yeah, I agree. In, in retrospect, the Queen... I, I liked it at the time because it was kind of a cool action movie aliens thing, but uh, in retrospect, yeah, it does kind of undermine them a lot, unfortunately. <laughs> I, my, my headcanon for the, the Borg Queen is just that she is... And they kind of back this up later on, that it's not that, oh yeah, there's this one special Borg, it's that, no, they just put the Borg into a single body to communicate with individuals, and that's the Queen, basically. But... It's still not. It's still only there because they need an action movie, uh, big bad, super, like final boss for the Borg. Yeah. <laughs> so, Which does go against the concept of the Borg. Right. Exactly. And it is. It was always crazy to me when I watched a Doctor Who uh, later on and discovered that the Cybermen are in many ways just the Borg. <laughs> a few decades earlier. Yeah. Um, not as cool though. Yeah. I, in my opinion. Oh yeah, they're they're both cool and they're there's different enough that they don't feel like a ripoff. Uh, but it is the same idea of yeah, we're gonna grab humans and turn them into half robot monstrosities who all serve the, the same function. Anyway, uh, so that's what the military wants to do to all of us. Uh, so there you go. Yeah, that sounds about right. <laughs> God. One of the concerns for why they wouldn't uh, want to like upgrade a soldier permanently via transhumanism or augmentation is the idea that that soldier has to eventually return to civilian life. And while you can reclaim a kit and weapons and gun from a soldier when they leave the army, you can't really do that when you've made them the equipment. Oh, God. And then you just yeah. have... In the best-case scenario, you have military-grade equipment and possible uh government secrets just walking about right and the worst case scenario like there was the 
joke in the potential future Simpsons episode where Lisa is president, where they talk about how they accidentally made a generation of super criminals. <laughs> yeah. Which is a genuine concern because there was a spike in like workplace shootings and uh, various domestic and workplace violence when Vietnam vets were re attempted to reintegrate it into society without mm -hmm. any decompression or aid into it. Yeah. yeah, I mean, given the the amount of care and uh, compassion they they show to veterans who have returned, uh, you know, it's hard not to think that they're just going to find they're not going to spend. They'll just be, oh, we're taking that chip out of your head, laddie. Yeah, you know, <laughs> that's it. Bye. So long. Um, yeah, exactly. But you know, it, it, there is. On the plus side, uh, there is, and this isn't necessarily specifically to do with cyborgs, uh, I've had, I've actually talked to, I have a, a pal, he studied cybernetics. Uh, he's a, he's a big sci-fi fan and he knows a lot about this kind of stuff. He, he was uh, mentioning that he actually thinks AI, um, specifically, the idea of, oh yeah, a great supercomputer that'll be smarter than us, or at least smart enough to like creatively make decisions, uh, it's not really actually plausible that we'd ever get to that position. Uh, he doesn't think AI will ever mimic human brains well enough. And and the, the uh, it's often cited the idea of oh well it'll figure out how to make you know paper clips and then it'll become a paperclip making machine and it'll you know turn the earth into a giant paperclip factory and we'll all be you know put into the paperclip mines and our bones will be shredded to make paperclips and like that kind of thing. But the idea that you'd ever get a, a, an artificial intelligence smart, like creative enough to think to that level uh, is unlikely, apparently. Um, like, like it just, the, the it's structure not, to It's very unlikely in our lifetime. He didn't. He didn't think it was even going to happen, even given a long time scale. Uh, just the, the 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 architecture you would need uh, to build that in such a way that it was creative, but also not smart enough to understand <laughs> that there were things it shouldn't do. Uh, but but even just to be hor horrifically creative in that way. Um, we're not likely to ever happen. Like that sort of run amok AI that turns on its creators. Uh, it, like you might get an AI that's fairly intelligent and that can mimic, you know, humanity enough to be like your your personal assistant. But this idea of, yeah, I've decided the best way to solve all of humans' problems are to kill all the humans. Like that's, it's, you're not going to get that kind of creative jump. Now, unless you... You're, yeah, no, the thing I heard is that you're more likely to get that outcome rather than artificial intelligence from artificial stupidity. Right. And then well, the algorithm he... does something stupid and the humans blindly follow it or let it continue to do something stupid because right. they trust the algorithm is infallible because it's the computer. Yes. Like, a common thing there is when they use, like, uh, machine learning algorithms to try to figure uh, train, like, a robot how to walk... And that thing, by giving it basically the directive of find the most efficient way uh, from first floor to second, they wanted to get teach it to learn how to use steps, and it wound up simply flinging the robot body off the balcony. <laughs> <laughs> yes, exactly. And similar things like that. It's like, okay, yeah, um, yeah. yeah. it's learning, well, but not in ways that are remotely useful. 
Right, right. I mean, it's it's the idea is you give it a goal, and and that's what I'm saying. Like people have the idea of like, yeah, oh, well, we'll want to make paper clips by any means necessary, but um, it's like that. Getting down the stairs is a fairly straightforward goal, whereas this complicated. Uh, and even if it was making paper clips, it would have a quota of paper clips that it would meet and be satisfied. Essentially, uh, like it wouldn't want to make paper clips; it would only do it because it was told to. You know. Anyway, there's he thinks there's basically enough restrictions, and I mean that limits what you can do with AI as well. But he thought that the you know the idea of you know Skynet is actually not very plausible as it's commonly imagined, and even as you say the. The artificial stupidity is a bigger problem. Well, as you say, the, the big issue is just that, you know, the tech bros trusting <laughs> the algorithm in every, as we are seeing with, oh, the YouTube algorithm, instead of just, just yeah, do it no, yourself. The concern's not going to be or, that, oh, AI has determined that humans need to be exterminated. The concern for Skynet would be that it was given the directive basically to... Uh, say ensure victory in a war and it count and it did something stupid because it wasn't given clear parameters and made the decision that the best way to do that was a nuclear first strike right exactly because but, by but... the way its algorithms were calculated this was the most this was the way to ensure the least amount of casualties or to ensure an american victory or something equally as much of a very bad consolation prize to the fact that the computer, for seemingly no reason, decided to start firing its weapons. Right. Uh, well, even but even then, what you mentioned, though, even beyond that, there's the idea of humans blindly following <laughs> as you, the, what the robot tells you to do. As you say, it's like if you automate the system and the robot's giving commands to the humans, which were... In some ways, so, I, I can't remember who said it, that you know, we already have an all-powerful, overbearing artificial intelligence controlling our lives, and it's called capitalism. Uh, like, I've actually have argued that uh, cor the concept of a corporation is more or less a very efficient, yet simple way of doing AI via wetware cloud processing. Exactly, yes, right. It's essentially turning over your brain to a larger, you know, mass that is artificially organized around the principle of making money. And that, and you are getting that artificial stupidity as it's like, well, it's okay to, uh, you know, completely destroy the earth because we're making this green paper. You yep. know, it's like, that is the, the exactly what we're, people are uh, talking about. Yeah, no, there have been in science fiction pointing out there that the s stories about our fear of robots are actually our subconscious screaming out our pers the um, repressed observation we've had on the dangers of capitalism. Right. Yes. And there was there was a, a a review a while back about uh, there was a Netflix movie about like an animated movie about robots. Uh, can't remember it anymore. But this guy was and he he just sort of talked about you know it 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 showed a robot uprising but somewhat sympathetic to the robots and he basically made the argument is like well robots are always uh and i've heard this in a number of other places that robots are kind of our it's kind of the the legacy of slavery basically and the idea of yeah no it's nice to just have the servant who does all of our stuff for us uh you know and 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 that when you depict artificial intelligence in the world of uh, sci-fi 
there is a tendency to you know to just swap out you know slaves for uh for artificial intelligence and just say but it's okay because they're robots star wars runs into this problem a lot unfortunately well that's in um, it it is like entirely one-to-one that joys are the stand-in for slaves in like gladiator or roman era movies Absolutely, yeah, yeah, and, and I mean, even deliberately. And I mean, robot does mean yeah. slave. Yes, yes, I, that is the case. But so th- th- this guy kind of took it to a ridiculous example, and he started saying, "And the Terminator, we're all just worried about Terminator because we're." And he was, you know, he was coming from kind of a Marxist perspective of, "Oh, that's just the the bourgeoisie's fear of an uprising." But I was like, "Well, well yeah, okay." I see that, but Terminator specifically is like the worst possible example because Skynet is very clearly a metaphor for capitalism. This other thing that we're talking about. I, uh, I yeah, I think more if anything, the Terminator is like a sci-fi version of like Eisenhower's fear of the military industrial complex. Exactly. Yeah, that's that's at no point in the story are the Terminators or anything related to Skynet being like mistreated. Even in the Matrix, where the the robots have taken over, um, <clears throat> there are, they did th- the Animatrix, the backstory, and they depicted the robots sympathetically as sort of this uh, enslaved underclass who then ended up taking over. Uh, the, the, which complicated everything in the Matrix very much. But in the Matrix movies proper, they're, again, that whole sort of, they're the military-industrial complex, they're the, uh, you know, oppressive state, they're whatever you want to call them. Um, so to, to, to all, say it's always about the bourgeois thing is, a, I'm missing the point, I think. Um, but clearly there are well, lots of examples of the, you know, the robots yeah. being that, the underclasses, essentially. And, yeah, Star Wars. Star Wars almost... It's like, yeah, there's... Now, and the other, like, expanded extra stuff they did for Star Wars, this comes up a lot. There was one point where uh, 3PO actually, due to a computer virus, wound up being a Che Guevara-esque figure for the Droid Rebellion (laughs) movement. What? Yeah. uh, Okay. Yeah, a computer virus for something else uh, overrode his normal personality and made him very charismatic and he started recruiting droids to the cause of uprising. <laughs> that's Oh man, that's actually I'm writing I've got an idea for a story that that's alarmingly similar and to. It was, anyway. it was a good and very funny story. I believe it was in the Droids comic that was supposed to tell R2 and 3PO's adventures before the first movie. Right. Yes, yes. They um, spun off of the ca- cartoon, right? Right. There was also yeah. uh for Loam the uh, insect robot bounty hunter there that they gave the backstory that he is a protocol droid like 3PO, but they had basically overclocked his CPU and modded him so he could uh, play cards with him at, like, basically the uh, uh, vacation cruise that he worked at, the cruise ship. And because they taught him to gamble, which involved games like poker where you had to lie they basically taught the robot how to lie and be deceitful and that expanded its program enough that it started getting curious about other things so it started teaching it uh reprogramming itself out of curiosity and taught itself to steal and then started making more uh jumps like it then taught itself to be able to hurt and kill sapient life and that under the idea that to become a properly sapient being, it must be have moral agency and thus it must be capable of performing 
all these horrible evil acts so it can make the conscious decision whether to or not. <laughs> that's great. And that's that's just that one robot we see for five seconds in Empire Strikes Back, right? Yeah. And <laughs> the whole story in the Tales of the Bounty Hunter one, this is why this is my favorite minor character there. Yeah. He's yeah. with his bug bounty hunter friend, and it's established that pretty much the only reason they're there for uh, to take the bounty on Solo is because they need to p- pay for uh, Zuckus, the organic bug's medical treatment to get new lungs. <laughs> um, because normally they were literally like actual bounty hunters and just went after really easy scrub jobs. They were just working class people. Right. <laughs> and this was supposed to be their big score so they could get the guy's lungs fixed. Uh, at that point in the history, though, Forlome had advanced his programming so much, he had learned pretty much how to perform all human vices, and now was seeking enlightenment and trying to teach himself how to meditate and tap into the Force. This is this is, this is really good stuff. This is the this this guy could have an ongoing series the way you're describing. Him. Yeah, and I was like, I really like this. This is. It was before uh, Bender from Futurama, but it wound up being the really interesting character of what if Data right. took the path of becoming human by, like, first going th- uh, going through the steps of being Bender and lying and cheating and stealing. <laughs> nice. That's great. Again, Mike. for the specific thing. So, okay, now that he knows he can, he can decide not to. Right. Yeah. Yeah, but it is taking a very fun kind of concept on the philosophical thing that like if somebody had no capacity to be evil does that actually make them a good person since it's not their choice right and that was typically used as a fun one but that put the added twist that okay so he's going to consciously make Hmm. sure and see if he can be a complete asshole that way he can decide not to and thus take pride in being a good person yeah yeah that's that's neat. That's a really cool idea. Boy. Well, I better I got to read those then apparently. Yeah. Anyway. The Tales of the Bounty Hunter uh anthology yeah. novel is generally really good for that. Yeah. I had a friend I think told me to read those as well, so yes, yeah. I really like to read those. Um anyway, let's uh go it's for nerds. nerds! <laughs> for all nerds. Anyway, okay, so we had this uh uh one thing that we were looking at. Uh, which is this article about Sonic. <laughs> Sonic's collaboration with Hooters looks grim. You don't say. Uh, for Kotaku. <laughs> written Article written by Brian Ashcroft. So, Sega announced it was doing a Sonic Forces promotion with Hooters for some reason, says the article. So the article is... Uh, in, uh, in Japan, in Tokyo's locations. Uh, okay, but it still feels like a for some reason fits there. Yeah, yeah. I mean, a lot of things happen in Japan for some reason, and this does feel. Uh, well, first of all, I didn't know they had Hooters in Japan. I would have thought that was a fairly uniquely North American, at least, phenomenon. <laughs> but I guess not. I mean, I'm not saying that. And as we were saying a moment ago, there's the argument that. Millennials don't like breasts anymore, and that's why Hooters is dying. But I thought that was a, you know, the, I, I get that that's a fairly universal phenomenon, liking breasts. Uh, but uh, nevertheless, they seem I to be thought, popular. Yeah, 
Well, I thought it, it would seem to be, I would have thought Japan had 500 of its own restaurants that had that covered and they didn't really need to import an American uh, franchise for that. I wonder if it's specifically as like American gimmick food. That is a possibility that did cross my mind. Um, that it's because it's an that's that's a typical American restaurant. Just like you know, when we go to these cliched uh, you know Japanese restaurants, <laughs> this is the Hooters is the you know the all American restaurant, like on The Simpsons, where they they will wear cowboy hats and go. And this, right. there's not even anything sexual in the Japanese Hooters restaurant. It's just like no, this is America. This is what it's like. They all wear cowboy hats. Everyone is dressed like the the uh, the Harlem Globetrotters for some reason, and there's you know they wear fat suits and <laughs> throw I don't know throw confetti everywhere like Rip Taylor. They just they just put everything in a blender. I mean, I'd be lying if I said I didn't feel very attacked right now. <laughs> well, come on, you would see. That's what I'm saying. It would you would that would that would appeal to you that restaurant, and it appeals to Japanese people. And ironically, I, they think of Sonic. Well, that, now is Sonic? I, I assume he was created in Japan. Yes, right? Sonic. Yeah. Okay. So, because he <laughs> at this point he feels pretty American. I think he's been adapted by the Americans, right? <laughs> I mean, we had mentioned before that there was, like, an actual history thing because both uh, Sega of America and Sega of Japan had their own separate, disparate ideas on what Sonic should be. And that there was eventually an effort to reconcile them. Okay. I didn't know that. What's the, What was the difference between the two? Uh... Several things... Well, let's put it this way. There was technically a series Bible for Sonic, which wound up being the most useless document because neither side wound up using anything from it. (laughs) (laughs) Where, uh... Dr. Robotnik slash Eggman was Sonic's uh, father figure who had been turned uh, evil because he accidentally spliced himself with a hard-boiled egg. Okay. What? Why would that turn you evil? It was a bad because it was a bad oh, egg. It was a bad egg. Oh, yeah. Okay. God. Oh my god. So the entire so the lore of the villain is based on a terrible pun. Yes. <laughs> and his name originally was uh I think Kinto Kintobor, which is, of course is Robotnik backwards. Oh. Okay. I thought you were going to tell me that was Japanese or something. No. <laughs> but the Japanese used the name Eggman rather than Robotnik. Right. Which the Americans, I guess, felt decided was silly, but then eventually Sega cracked down and insisted that... We can't have no, silliness no, no. in our... Yeah, no, no, no. hedgehog. We... Okay, <laughs> so that's part of the thing. The sort of, like, official... Sonic story for America was strangely dark. Yeah, I remember the uh I remember there were two cartoons, uh US cartoons, and one was like a weird wacky farcical thing like Looney Tunes. Yes. And the other one was a serious sort of grim dark thing that only did one season. Yes. The grim dark on one was Yeah. Well which not was, like grim you know, dark. Uh, the but, you know. rather weird thing where 
Sonic is in the resistance in a post-apocalyptic uh, post-apocalyptic world. Oh my god, my friend told me about that and how much it made him angry apparently. <laughs> but he's like, didn't he also form a rock band to help fight with the power of music? Okay, or well, correction, there were two takes on that because afterwards there was another attempt to do it that attempted to bring in Elements such as what if Sonic had a brother and sister who were like him, but even more annoying. <laughs> and also they fight with the power of rock and mm -hmm. nobody liked it because this was the replacement for the show that wasn't renewed that they liked. It, it is funny to me that Sonic is has so little to do with games at this point. Like it's just a... Oh, the comics <laughs> are their own thing, apparently. Right, right. The they they just... like have a really complex continuity, and it was it was apparently um, uh, the a guy who, who wrote most of it apparently got the rights back to it, so they lost the rights to a bunch of these stories. Right, uh, which is why there was then a reboot of Sonic, basically. Yeah, I I know that was the source of <laughs> much obsession in sort of the early years of the uh, like the early years of the internet. It was like that was. I mean, we all are familiar now with Sonic fan art as a thing that happens, but I, I do remember being like, why is there so much Sonic the Hedgehog fan art? I haven't even... And I'm not a gamer, as I've said, but just... It seemed like there hadn't really even been a game in a long time, and yet the character was still alive, and people were still really interested in the game for some reason. Anyway. Yeah, well, Archie but, Comics in the U.S. did a bunch of that, and then right, pretty much right. once they lost the rights to the stuff that the artist for that brought in they that pretty much was a move to reconcile it with japanese lore right right so the reconciliation was that okay robotnik is his official surname but eggman is the mocking nickname that sonic gave him that he has decided to own as his brand what that could be his first name eggman robotnik no 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 his name for some reason, this has always been the agreement. His first name is Ivo. Ivo Robotnik. Yes. <laughs> Which is, it's actually a cool name, Dr. Yeah. Robotnik. Yeah. I, I, Robotnik. I think that was the biggest thing for why they didn't just throw it away, because technically that is a good villain name. <laughs> and I mean, he builds robots, right? right? That is his thing. Yes. So, yeah. And it also... Exactly. I remember on the, sorry, on the Sirius cartoon, he actually had a machine that transformed living beings into robots, and that's why yep. it was post-apocalyptic? Yep. <laughs> okay. And, but and post there, was, uh, there was a bunny who was half-robot. Half yep. And she was apparently the, the subject of a lot of furry crap. Or whatever, oh you know. Because, of you're course. That, whatever. Well, um, that's, <laughs> that's what ha seems to have been the thing with Sonic. I think she had a southern accent or now. something? Yes. A what? A southern the, accent? It's been a while. God, how do I remember so much about this? I didn't even watch the <laughs> show, but the character was, like, really influenced by Rogue from the X-Men, so... Yeah. She had, <laughs> so, of course, she had a southern drawl. Yeah. Sonic, like, Sherry, why, we, why do we not go... Okay, you say this? that, but no! The character that she was eventually paired with was a French fox. Oh, Yeah. <laughs> So Which was even weirder then. because he wore like a military uniform as if he was actually actually was a French partisan. Not a beret and a stripe striped shirt. And no, no. 
left bank hanging out. Well, speaking so, of blue abominations. Uh, yes. Oh, the genie. The genie. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I don't know if there's a lot to discuss. It just that that needs to be addressed. It, it, it this is needs to be addressed because this is not okay. <laughs> yeah. It's. I mean, it it's such a culmination of bad ideas to me. I mean, admittedly, I thought that about Beauty and the Beast. Uh, and the you were proven remake. right. Well, yeah, but it made all the money in the world. So, this is a case where I feel like so it actually... So did the Transformers franchise. Well, also, yeah, here's, but... Also, here's the thing with Disney's stuff. All mm-hmm. of their movies reliably make money until they stop. Right, exactly. It's like, this has happened before. It's like, people see it because it's Disney, but once it gets a... Once that reputation stops meaning anything, people suddenly stop going. Right. Well, it, I always found it interesting with their 2D animated movies, they were determined to make the leap to 3D. Like, that was just a huge thing that they kept uh, pursuing and pursuing. And 2D animated movies were still making money for Disney right up until they killed them. Like, they were trying, they were they were literally trying to sabotage their last couple of movies. Home on the Range was one of their last ones. Treasure Planet got a and Atlantis got a bit... You know, like there was a lot of shaking up and like nobody was, everyone was, uh, you know, nobody took it seriously. Everyone thought it was going to be like, oh, this is on its last. If I remember, Treasure Planet got uh, killed by release date because if I remember correctly, it was set to release against the Star, the first Star Wars prequel. Right. Jesus. That was like the biggest thing in the world. Yeah. Uh At the time. So it's the thing that no, no movie. It so that's just a sacrificial oh, lamb at that point. It wasn't. It wasn't uh, the Phantom Menace. No, it was maybe the second one uh, because the Phantom Menace opened the same uh, year as Tarzan, and Tarzan actually did really well. Um, so it, it wasn't that. But they, yeah, they were definitely kind or of. Was burying. it Harry Potter? It might have been Harry Potter. That right, because it yes. was a thing that it was up against something that was going to. Make all the money, right? And they were just fucked on it. Yeah, I uh, yeah, can. Th- uh, two thousand two, so it would have been Harry Potter. Yeah, sorry, Harry Potter. That's about right. Yeah, I could buy Which that. Which was Although... also the biggest thing in the universe at the time. Right. Well, yeah. Anyway, before it, it, we it... learned, wizards are just weirdos that go around <laughs> crapping themselves. <laughs> Let's not get into that again. <laughs> but yes. Speaking well, but, of crap, but that... no, that's a that's another story. <laughs> But Go going on, back to the to Aladdin, that that's Master the thing. Master's like, given Dobby a sock, and it smells oh really bad. God, now there's that that takes on added levels now, doesn't it? Oh my god! Okay, sorry. What were you saying about Aladdin, Adam? Uh, <laughs> no, let's talk more about Wizards. Gra- no, let's not. Um, the uh, <laughs> the uh, just the fact that Aladdin, um, like Beauty and the Beast, made all the money in the world. Aladdin, and it has Will Smith, which I admit probably still has a certain draw. Like, I think Will Smith actually played a big part in why Suicide Squad made a lot of money. But they've made him into the most unappealing thing. Like, he's not, he's a badly CGI'd monster in this trailer, if you haven't yeah, seen it. Yeah, he looks it, which... very puffy. I mean, Will Smith doesn't look like that. I don't... 
No, it's 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 basically his face grafted onto a CGI genie's body, uh, which is very unnatural and very uncanny valley looking. What's, and uh, it, what's odd is, I think this wouldn't be a bad start for an effect, but it feels like it's missing. Like right. I said, well, you know, I think it would go a long way to being better if they just added a transparency and glow effect to it. I maybe. And and people are saying, oh, it's not finished effects. I'm like, yeah, but you made it the highlight of the trailer, so we're going to focus it's on like how the... off-putting it looks. Yeah, you know? it's like how uh, Venom, uh, the first trailer came out, didn't have the Venom effects done yet, right. so it looked like he was telekinetic or something. <laughs> it's weird. Well, okay, why are... Why are they doing this now? Why are they putting out trailers when not enough of the movie is done to actually show it off? I don't know. I, I don't it's know. it's what it's it, everything is based around release dates these days. So it's kind of like, well, we've got to have a trailer in front of I don't know what came out just now that needed the trailer. Um like probably the Lego movie. That was probably the the big one they had to hype for it. Um, so it's like, yeah, we gotta hit, we gotta hit the, uh, we gotta have something on the on the web for the Lego Movie, and maybe the Oscars too. Maybe that has something to do with it. Um, yeah, Venom <laughs> nominated for an Oscar. Yeah, I, I don't <laughs> think Venom's gonna be nominated for an Oscar. I liked Venom. But, Why not? Yeah, I liked Venom yes. a lot, but yeah, yeah. Well, it should be said as well, I'm almost positive, based on, like, they had the magazine cover, and Will Smith was just dressed, he was just Will Smith, he wasn't a big blue genie. I yeah, think and he that's... had clothes on, and it was, right. it was really weird that they I... sort of switched it this late in development. Well, okay, so in that scene, supposedly he's, because it's the genie, so that's him disguised right. as a human. Oh, okay. Right. And... Yeah, that... Given the effect, they may lead heavily into that to not have to show the genie, which I right. really hope they do, because that would make it the most hilarious fucking... Somehow, this is looks both like the most over-expensive movie, and yet it's still using yeah. Roger Corman fucking tricks. <laughs> I know! That's what people are saying. This somehow looks like the most bloatedly expensive movie and the cheapest movie at the same time, uh, based on everything we see. And the, and the thing is, everyone's talking about CGI Will Smith, because everything else about the trailer is just so bland and nothing, and, you know... I didn't it's, even I watch mean, it, we I know just skipped to the end, honestly. Yeah, we know Disney's Aladdin, so we can fill in the blanks for ourselves. I mean, the one thing you can say about this remake is it's going to have actual Middle Eastern people in it. Uh, you know, that that's something. Uh, but in every other respect, uh, Disney's Aladdin was such an animated show, uh, movie. Like, it was built around the concept of animation. I, I, I mean, they did a stage version of Aladdin, which I don't really get but apparently they made that work pretty well yeah but um, you can also have get... much better costumes in this version but you can also get away with a lot on a stage thing because people mm. expect have accepted the stylization already right right i mean when it's you're... true but you yeah like when the lion king's on broadway and everyone is wearing sort of african inspired-esque masks and puppet suits people mm -hmm. aren't you know, that's fine. Okay, yeah, this this is a great way to transfer that to stage. But you're pretty much salted on, ah, it's gonna look real. And then we get pretty much Papa Smurf show up. <laughs> yeah. 
Well, you mentioned the uh, Sonic and uh, Sonic and Will Smith genie mashup, which is very close to uh, oh god no Lovecraftian and that. Yeah. <laughs> Never had a friend go fast. Yeah, but but the the uh, the bra- the Broadway adaptation of Aladdin, like I mean, they must have made. I mean, not so much a change exactly, but the whole aspect of it has to change because the genie is. In some ways, some people have called him the ultimate animated character. Like, he is purely animation. Uh, To do him on as just a guy, uh, I mean, it's not that it wouldn't work. And, of course, there's been a lot of adaptations of Aladdin before. But it changes the whole nature of it. But, again, if it's on stage, then you're already changing the the structure of it. But So to do a live-action movie where you could kind of do that, but obviously he's not going to be doing impressions. He's not going to be Robin Williams. He's not going to be shape-shifting all the time. You know, it's... The best thing I can hope for is a rap version of Friend Like Me. Oh, yeah, there's definitely going to be a rap version of a Friend Like Me. I mean, that's going to be cool. I, I, I'm i down for that. Honestly. I mean, is it, though? Because that really feels like this could go either way. Well, it's a Will Smith rap, though, and those are always delightful. Like, let's get... I mean, if you don't know in 2019... Wild Wild West was good. I mean, the, the yeah. song. Yeah. No, it's always, they're always the cheesiest thing imaginable, and that's what makes them so lovable and great. As people have pointed out, Suicide Squad would have been greatly improved by a Will Smith rap song over the closing credits. Oh, somebody made a Will Smith rap song for Bright. (laughs) It was actually really funny, we should link that. Um, (laughs) Okay. Okay, you want to know something really weird? Because I actually went and, uh, pretty much, uh, sorry, I went and did a photo search to see what the stage production version of, like, what Friend Like Me looks like. Mm-hmm. It's surprisingly kind of faithful to the tone of it. Like, stuff has changed since it's on stage, but, yeah, they have ways for the genie to do a bunch of the stuff he did. Sure. Well, the genie could, like, conjure stuff on stage, as it were. Yeah, just... but it's like... Some of the stuff that they have is they pretty much have uh, extras playing, like, the genie doubling himself to be his own chorus line oh, and stuff. Okay. And then they do the stuff with the... It looks like they do it with, like, a shifting set Okay. to do it. And it looks like the, the genie may do some, like, quick change stuff to change costume. Hmm. Okay. So... Yeah, I mean, you could you could do some fun stuff with it. You have to basically accept that it's not Robin Williams anymore at all, <laughs> and it's not going to be the same kind of thing. But just you know, yeah, just you can you, you uh, of course you can do sort of fun and cool stuff with it. But the whole basis of it was animation and and shifting that in that regard. So so I just think that with this um with this new with this movie, it's going to be. Like, Disney is clearly banking on, oh, now what we can do is do live-action remakes of all of our animated catalogs, because Beauty and the Beast was a monster hit. And I think they're going to be disappointed. <laughs> I don't think it's going to work the way but they But they did so well Sorry. with the Jungle Book! Did they? No! What, but, like, <laughs> financially, how did it work out? I thought that Not was actually Not too successful. well, I think. I think it broke even, but it wasn't a big mm. hit. Yeah. Which calls to mind, like, how is Lion King going to work then? Because that's one of their big ones. Uh, but before that, it's going to be Aladdin, which could be... Which a... I have to think, Lion King, unless they're going to do basically fucking remake Roar and have a bunch of wild fucking animals go about with celebrities dubbing over them. Right, which 
they're not doing. They are CG or they could animals. go full si- stylized like the stage show, like actually do like a version of the stage show. Mm. Yeah, but I don't think they're going. No, they're not to... going that direction. No, it's mm. obvious they're they're going for gray and bland because it's yeah, real. It's yeah, and, and that is the issue. Just but, the fact that you know, but it's, it's real. like no. But what I was getting at, if they're gonna make so many of the characters CG, mm-hmm. that's still not live action. Yeah, you've just <laughs> yeah. made another animated thing. You just right. it's just boring looking. You were yeah. just overly concerned with realism for it. Uh-huh. Exactly. Yeah, that's... Uh, exa- yeah. That, that's exactly the problem. It's like you've, you've, you've looped around to doing, you know, oh, it's a live-action Lion King, except it's all animated anyway, except now it looks like garbage. Yeah, it, and, and... I'm feeling there's going to be a bad wake-up call for that, especially with mm-hmm. kind of how well-received Spider-Verse was. Right, exactly. I mean, well... yeah. Though now, we say that... that did middling? No, it did okay. I think people are people are going, oh, it didn't do that great. I was like, it did okay. It made almost $200 million. That's There's no way that's not a solid success. Uh, it just, it wasn't, didn't set everything on fire. It didn't smash through box office records the way, like, Aquaman did, which opened around the same time. But, it, I mean, people who are saying it didn't do well are, like, missing the fact that it held on for a long time and can, and is still making money in theaters as we speak. Uh, so, I, you know, I, it, it was definitely okay. And, of course, it made an impact in, in a cultural way, I think, in a way that some yeah. blockbusters don't. Um, but, yeah, no, it's... Like now, Avatar. of course, what... Speaking of blue people. Good old, yeah. Actually, yeah, that's a point, because there's something that made a lot of money, and uh-huh. as somebody has pointed out, name two characters from Avatar. <laughs> no, 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 don't, not the description of them, not the actors. Yeah. I name know the main character's character name, I do know that. Yeah. It's Jake it is. Sully. Oh, yeah, I would, it is. I would have I... only known Jake. I didn't even remember that. I just yeah, remember, I remember how the, uh, the female lead pronounced his name, that's all. For some reason, that's stuck in my head. <laughs> yeah. I, and I, I, it I, did it with me, and I actually don't overly yeah. hate Avatar as much as a lot of people. But even well, how, I have to, to concede, I do not remember any characters' names. I don't hate Avatar because how do you hate it? It's enough. It's such a nothing of a movie. There's there's nothing going on. It's it it evaporated from all of our memories the instant we left the theater. Basically, yeah. Somebody um, uh, did the uh, search on fanfiction.net or one of the fanfiction sites, and it had 50 entries. And mm. a lot of those, like half of those, were mislabeled Avatar: The Last Airbender fanfics. <laughs> like this isn't a joke. That's yeah. literally what happened. Exactly. So this has like yeah. 25 fan fiction entries uh-huh. and that's ridiculous it's like the anti-star wars <laughs> yep and, and yet they're it making just more somehow of it. it's setting just somehow failed to spark the imagination yeah except supposedly it did remember all those people who supposedly were like obsessed with becoming uh yeah Navi they, were gonna, and... they were like suicidal because pandora didn't exist I think I mean, that was a marketing stunt. I haven't heard anything about yeah, that people. Yeah, I know. I feel like even the fact that it was this blockbuster is some kind of giant lie. That's one of my favorite conspiracy theories. The idea that Avatar didn't <laughs> actually av- make that much money, and just but they just cooked the books to make James Cameron <laughs> feel better, basically. Yeah. 
<laughs> because how did it leave so little? Like all these, they're sure there are blockbusters like Transformers movies and stuff, but the Transformers movies you remember them, you know they're existing. I don't, I don't see them, but they're and I mean they they keep making them. That's part Bumblebee of it. Bumblebee was fine. Which one? Bumblebee. Oh, Bumblebee. Yeah, uh, yeah. Supposedly. Once um, they pry Michael Bay away from it, sure. Yep. Yeah. Well, again, they are, and I mean, part of it is just James Cameron takes forever to make a movie, so I guess that's why there haven't been 500 Avatar sequels yet. Supposedly, he's planning three more or whatever. I think but it's yeah, four, I mean, four sequels. Oh my god, four more Avatars. He so he says it'll be the 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 oldest man alive finishing <laughs> up the fourth movie in the post nuclear wasteland <laughs> predicted by the movie. Um, but yeah, just. And I mean, in the future, we... the only jobs available will be working on Avatar <laughs> and yep. Space Marine. Our society is going to be Avatar based from now yeah. on, as we get into the future. Yeah, if you want to, you want to. Sh- they're 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 building an actual rocket to Pandora, and only people who worked on the movie are going to be allowed to go there. <laughs> um, oh, it does have yeah. a theme park, though, doesn't it? Avatar. Avatar? Yeah, well, it, it has a section in Disney. Yeah. yeah, in Disney. In the animal kingdom. Really? Yes. <laughs> and yet, what, do they stock it with, like, animatronic whatever yeah. the animals yeah. were in, in, yeah. in Avatar and Pandora? Yeah. Yeah, and people in walk-around mm. uh, costumes for it. Which I guess uh, they're just going to try to find some way to hand-wave away that, you know, the cat people are supposed to be, like, 12 feet tall, but... Right. That's confusing. So they're just normally sized people, is what you're saying? Yeah. Okay. I mean, it would be hard. I mean, it would be hard for Disneyland to only hire people who are only twelve feet tall. So I have to assume that some fudging is done. They just had the military bad guys in there as the mask, as the face characters. Well, they only hired, like, little people to play the, the military people. And the idea is that you are, if you go into that park, you're an, you're in an avatar. So they all look normal-sized to you, basically. <laughs> that's how they... That's how they okay, it's it. very important for the key fab of the part that all of you spend three <laughs> hours at hair and makeup yeah, before exactly. we let you onto any rides. <laughs> you go through a doorway and it just sprays blue all over you when you're in the park. <laughs> And sparkles. A giant fiber optic tentacle plugs into the back of your head. Oh, God. <laughs> right there. Hey, I do remember that movie. And plug them into the animals. So, yeah, that's a thing. Oh, uh, going back to the Disney thing, you were saying it's going to bottom out soon, the live-action remakes. Reminds yeah. me of the, uh, the sequels they were doing in the, in the 90s. Yeah. Um, so and those like only... Little Mermaid ki- 2 or... Little, or right. Lion King 2, Simba's Pride, or whatever. Because yeah. this is entirely what that is. Yeah. It's, mm-hmm. oh, here, here's the way to basically cash in on IP we already own. Right. Well, those only died out because uh, Pixar people basically said, you know, we're ta- like they took over the animated division entirely, and they said, we're not doing that anymore. Ratatouille was, in some ways, meant to be... Like the like the the whole thing that the the old uh, the the great restaurant had been taken over by a hack 
and they were grinding out like uh you know tv dinners like that was meant to be a metaphor for what had happened to disney basically and the fact that they got rid of him and 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 stopped doing the tv dinner stuff was meant to be them going yeah we're not going to do that anymore uh we're only going to make you know that's... so now we know what the plot of ratatouille 2 is going to be live action ratatouille Making horrible CGI abominations out of the God food, da- basically. Okay, if they yeah. did a live-action Ratatouille that was a metaphor for how much the live-action movies were sold, were them just <laughs> returning to that mistake. Yeah. <laughs> they, no, they trained actual rats for this version, so it has authenticity <laughs> and thematic appropriateness. Basically. The sequel is just them on Kitchen Nightmares with Gordon Ramsay yelling at them because they have a fucking rat in the kitchen. Yeah. <laughs> There's a rat in Ramsey's hair pulling him and making his arms move. (laughs) This whole time, it was Django, or whatever his name is. What's the rat's name? Oh, Remy. That was the name. Yeah. Django? Django's his dad. Yeah, Django's the name of the dad rat, if I'm not mistaken. Not not like Django the... the, uh... No. Django Unchained. Not to Django. Actually, maybe. I don't know. I don't even know. this. Okay. I'd watch a crossover between Ratatouille and Django. <laughs> I'd watch a fucking Remy western. I would watch a western with an incompetent cowboy that has a ruthless gunslinging rat that hides under, <laughs> under his, his hat, hat and controls yeah. him by pulling his yeah. arms so that he can more, more effectively kill. Yeah. Not anyone can kill slave owners, but a slave owner killer can come from anywhere. <laughs> They just it just has the thing of the cowboy shooting like a slave over the clansman in the head, and then there's somehow a gunslinging critic there who then flashes back to how it's the exact same form that his grandmother would shoot a slave owner. Wow, we this most convoluted concept, and yet it works. What would I say? What can I say? That's that's what Disney's gonna make eventually. That's what, they're gonna run out of ideas, so that's what's gonna happen. Remy's the... ancestor there has to take down Fievel, who has gone corrupt in the West. <laughs> Fievel goes west to kill. <laughs> Shit! Did we just come up with a cool idea for for a story? <laughs> a murderous gunslinging rat who cooks. I'm trying to think of a cowboy pun about this, but I, I can't. The the closest is Rat if we boy? switch the setting to like gangster, like Chicago in the twenties, and call it "You Dirty Rat." <laughs> this, this feels kind of like a, um, like sausage party, in that oh that's oh like the joke is that it's like a cartoon setup, but you're doing like grim or adult things with it, like yeah. Right. But, and yeah. But, you know, from the fact that we only invested, hey, it would be funny if Remy fucking shot Fievel and didn't actually invest a whole CGI movie into that yeah. idea. I think it's I think it's very late at night because we've all gone insane. Uh, so we should probably wrap this up. <laughs> well, how long is this episode going to be? It's we going know. to be... Very long. Okay, so just so you know, Strange Romance, uh, the new volume, which all three of us have uh, contributed to, which is an anthology comic of uh, 
uh, sci-fi fantasy love stories uh, is out there. It's on Comixology right now. If you want to look for it, we call it Volume Three Point Five. It's kind of a special bonus edition. Um, Ing did the cover. Forty-seven Every... pages for two dollars. Yes, dollar ninety-nine. Uh, Ing did the cover. He did an amazing job. Filled in one you. of the stories. Yes, everyone loves the cover. So there you go. Oh yeah, uh, and, it's very and, and, fun. It's one of those ideas that you're like kicking yourself that no, you didn't think of it before. Oh, thank <laughs> so, you. <laughs> it's really good. And Phil did a story which was quite uh, well uh, uh, drawn, and it was written by thank Joshua you. Stafford. It's kind of a fun story. And I edited it. Uh, so that's something, I guess. But anyway, you should definitely check it out. You should also uh, check out me and Phil's other podcast, What Mad Universe. Um, we had Jess uh, Nevins on. Which we had Jess Nevins on uh, the previous episode, and the one that's going to be, uh, I think, uh, available as we, as you see this, uh, will also be available. Uh, and there's also Ing's uh, webcomic Brand Echo, which is really cool and really yes. fancy, and he's doing a lot of work on it. I'm uh, super impressed by how much work yeah, he's doing. Uh, written this by Charlotte Finn. Yes, written by Charlotte Finn, and very, very detailed art by Ing uh, for a webcomic. That's that's what's so crazy about it, that he does this on a weekly schedule. Yeah. So uh, check that out. Really neat comic. It's still in the early days. Comic. Oh, yes, and Phil, of course, has a webcomic. Uh, the Apex Society. Which he's is doing on, uh, vampires now, if I'm caught up? Yep. Yes, it's he's a doing six-part story kind of a... about vampires, Dracula coming back in the 70s. Right. Yes, it's all the public domain characters and old pulp type characters both original and classic kind of colliding together uh and so he's doing the vampire story with all the vampire characters at the moment but and that's worth checking out it's also available on comicsology yep so check that out as well and uh so from all of us here at destroy all clickbait uh it's (laughs) times are getting crazier and we're getting crazier so we're gonna go have some sleep right now but um Enjoy your Valentine's Day. I hope everyone finds love and uh, sugary snacks. Good night, everyone. Take care. Good night.